Welcome to the podcast of the Las Vegas Rotary Club. My name is Jim Cole, and I'm proud to be the 96th president of Las Vegas Rotary. Las Vegas Rotary's main focus is on youth, specifically youth literacy and life skill development. If you're in town, we invite you to join us at the Lowry's Prime Rib at noon on Thursdays. You can also find more information about our meetings on lasvegasrotary.com. If you're unable to join us, we live stream our meetings on Facebook at noon Pacific Time Thursdays. We hope you enjoy this podcast. It is my great pleasure to introduce my new best friend, Kevin Hernandez. Kevin is an identity theft attorney licensed in Nevada and in California. He is a Las Vegas native born here in Las Vegas. He uh, received his bachelor degree at UNLV and Juris Doctorate from California Law School in San Diego. Kevin is a super lawyer. I'd like to think of him as a super lawyer, but he really is. He was named to the Mountain State Super Lawyers in 2016, 2017, and 2018. Ladies and gentlemen, Kevin Hernandez. have a clicker for my presentation, but I'll, uh, I'll move over there when I get, uh, get done with the intro. So first of all, thank you, Annie, very much for the introduction. I appreciate that. Um, thank you all for, ha should I move closer? Is that oh, all right. I can do that. Thank you very much, Annie, for that. I appreciate it. And thank you all for having me. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here. This is my uh, third lunch with you guys, actually, and, and uh, it's an amazing group. Um, and, and I've got a chance to meet a few of you uh, uh, this morning, and I'd love the chance after the talk to get to meet the rest of you. Um, as Annie said, I was born and raised here in Las Vegas, um, an attorney licensed in California and Nevada. Uh, my family's been in the state uh, in Las Vegas from, since 1980, which in Vegas terms is like 200 years, I think, or something like that. We've, we've been around for a while, but uh, um, I, uh, I'm a Vegas native, and, and I've been passionate since I started in my legal career about the issue of identity theft and the issue of debt collections, especially with regard to veterans, because uh, my brother is a, a U.S. Air Force veteran, uh, still serving, he's a lieutenant colonel in the Air Force, and my father uh, was a is a retired Air Force veteran who served in Vietnam. And so those issues are near and dear to my heart. And when I found out that identity theft affects veterans at twice the rate of the regular population, that got me thinking, and I decided I wanted to start practicing in this area of the law. Um, when I started doing some digging even further, I found that, um, that, that, uh, that when service members are deployed, they're even more likely to become victims. And my first client, and I'd like to tell you a quick story about my first client. He was uh, in the U.S. Army, overseas in Afghanistan. While he was there, someone got a hold of his Social Security number here in the United States. They ran up over 20 different accounts, inquiries, and collections on his credit. So when he got back to the United States, he was faced with the prospect of not being able to get a loan, not being able to do anything financially with his life, and not, through no fault of his own. And that's a very common story with soldiers who are deployed. The good news is, through, through my uh, representation of him, we were able to get all of the accounts and inquiries off his credit. We were able to pay, the, the defendants paid for my attorney's fees and costs, 
and we were able to get him significant uh, uh, reimbursement for everything that he suffered through. He was able to buy a home, and he was able to buy his girlfriend uh, an engagement ring as part of the damages he got through the case, and he, I still keep in touch with him to this day. Um, and, and that's what really spurred me on to do what I do, is to help people like that. So I wanted to go through with you some of the numbers, uh, some of the figures, how to know if you're a victim of identity theft, what to do if you are, and how to prevent that from happening. And, 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 and of course, I'll leave some time at the end for questions and answers, because I'm sure people will have, have those. So I just want to get in the way of the presentation here, but I don't have a clicker. So I want to go through some of the facts and figures with you real fast. According to the Department of Justice, 17.6 million Americans were victims of identity theft in 2014. That number slightly reduced in 2017 to 16.7 million. Um, but, and that comes with a big asterisk, because every, as everyone knows, the Equifax data breach happened last year. That's going to jump those numbers up significantly. That affected 100, almost 150 million people, which is over half of the country who has a credit report. Because obviously we have about 300 or so million people in the U.S., but a lot of those people don't have credit reports, children, and things like that. So it's a huge issue. And as I said, according to the FTC, active duty military twice as likely to fall victim to identity theft than the general public. But it's still a very serious issue for a lot of Americans. So I want to talk quickly about the data breach. It affected 145 to 150 million. The numbers are changing. Uh, it's one of the worst data breaches in, in U.S. history. Uh, the hackers seize names, social security numbers, birth dates, addresses, driver's licenses. If you haven't already, please go to this website. Um, it will tell you whether you were affected by the, and I'll send this out to anyone who wants the presentation. It will tell you whether or not you've been affected by the data breach, and, and uh, that's good information to know because you're obviously at a higher risk of being a victim. Just because you're part of the group of 150 million doesn't mean necessarily that someone has used your information, but it means you're at a much higher likelihood than the regular general public. So I wanted to talk about uh, fraud alert versus a credit freeze. Um, this is the first step I tell any of my clients who have a red flag of identity theft. They ask me what to do. I say, you need to put a fraud alert or a credit freeze on your credit right away. Um, there's a difference between the two. One, a fraud alert is a little less uh, serious than a credit freeze. It, it notifies the creditors that pull your report that they must take additional steps to verify your identity. Uh, they have 90 days. It lasts initially 90 days, and it can be extended up to seven years. Um, a credit freeze actually locks your credit down, meaning that no one can access your credit. You can't open any new accounts. You're given a PIN number if you want to reopen your account and your credit. So it's obviously the more extreme of the two examples. And um, you know, depending on the client's needs, We'll, if they're looking to open up accounts in the near future, we'd want to do a fraud alert. But we want to do one of these two because this is the first step in sort of stopping the bleeding of a, a new accounts being opened under your name. It won't stop a, existing fraud on cards, but it will stop new uh, accounts from being opened under your name without your permission. So the next thing I tell any client who I speak with is to monitor your credit report. Now, I want to take a quick poll of the audience. How many people here have pulled or looked at their credit report this year? Oh, wow. That's really good. You guys are like an exceptional group then, I'm guessing. Because normally it's like three or four people sparsely populated throughout the group. So congratulations, you're doing better than most of the country. Most people do not pull their credit reports. Most people only look at their credit when it's too late, when they're applying for a loan 
or when they're, you know, when they're at the bank, uh, you know, do, doing the application process, and then they say, oh, man, I've got all this identity theft. So that's great uh, that you guys are doing that. Um, another quick poll. How many people here have been a victim of identity theft? So that, that's about average for what I see for a group this size. And, and, and that shows you the numbers that we're dealing with. Even with people like yourselves who pull your credit, obviously, regularly, and who, who monitor these things, it's still an issue. So go to annualcreditreport.com. That is your official three-bureau credit report. It's not a third-party website that compiles the information. It's actually getting it directly from the, uh, from the bureaus, Equifax, Experian, and TransUnion. You can get that once every 12 months. So you know, even if you have a site like Credit Karma or something like that, you want to go to annualcreditreport.com at least once every 12 months because that's what creditors will see when they pull your credit when you're applying for a loan. They will see what's on that website. So that's the, that's the next thing I tell all my clients is at least once every 12 months go to uh, annualcreditreport.com. But in addition to that, have some sort of monitoring, either through Credit Karma um, or Credit Sesame is another one. Uh, there, there's plenty of sites out there that are legitimate that you can monitor your credit for either free or for very little money. And by the way, if anyone has any questions throughout, I'm happy to answer them, and then we'll do like five or ten minutes at the end. So please feel free to interrupt if you'd like. So I wanted to go over some of the red flags of identity theft so you guys can become aware of it, look out for these red flags. Some of them are a little more obvious than others, but I still want to point them out to you. Unexplained collections or accounts on your credit. That's a huge red flag. Uh, and again, because this group is pretty in tune with their credit, it shouldn't be a problem. But if you see a collection on your credit or an account that you don't recognize, obviously that's a huge red flag that something's going on. But another thing that I tell clients is don't just look at the, in, at the accounts on your credit report. You also want to look at the inquiries. And what inquiries are are little notations on your credit that show someone applied for a loan. Uh, and sometimes those loans might be denied by the, uh, by the creditor but they'll still show up as someone applying under your name. So you want to, in addition to looking for fraudulent accounts, you want to look for fraudulent inquiries. Uh, credit denials, receiving random bills or calls uh, that for debts that you don't owe, notices from the IRS. These are all huge red flags that something has gone wrong. It doesn't mean 100% that you're a victim, again, but it does mean something is going on that you need to take a look at and, and examine further. So... And I don't, want to, I don't want to scare anyone, obviously, but most of this information is going to be kind of scary. But this is how identity thieves use your information. They can access your bank account and steal your money. Um, that, that's happening right now to a client of mine who has lost a little over $200,000 out of his various accounts through an identity thief hacking into his accounts and, t and stealing his money. So that is a, a huge issue. Obviously, they can run, run up charges on existing cards, uh, credit cards and things like that, uh, open utility uh, accounts, Caesar tax refund, they can apply for benefits under your name. This isn't an exhaustive list, but it's certainly representative of some of the more uh, alarming issues that can happen with identity theft. So what are the results? What happens to people who have identity theft? Denials of credit, losing your credit rating, lawsuits, denial of uh, driver's license uh, because they change your address in, this, in, the, uh, in the records. Uh, wage garnishment, things like that. So really scary stuff that could happen if you're a victim of identity theft. And a lot of people who don't monitor their credit, who, who aren't uh, in tune with, with what's going on in their bank accounts, who don't pull their statements regularly, they don't see these red flags until it's too late. So that's why I like to point these out so that people know these are some of the serious outcomes that can occur. 
So I'm not an expert in tech, but I wanted to give you guys a real quick overview of the two types of identity theft. There's high tech and then there's low tech. Low tech's been around for a long time. High tech is becoming more and more important in the news. Um, skimming, uh, that recently there was a huge skimming uh, scam that happened here with um, gas station kiosks where they remove the electronic data from your magnetic strip on your card, they place that information on another card, and then they use that card as though it, was, it were theirs. Um, the way around skimming that I tell all my clients is if you're going to use a kiosk or if you're going to use uh, a public ATM, uh, you know, well, don't use public ATMs, but if you're going to have to use a kiosk for gas, use a credit card. And the reason is you're using not your own money, but the bank's or the lender's money. So if, you, if someone steals the information off your Amex card, you'll have to go through a process to get that fixed, but they're not taking money directly out of your account if someone skims that card. If someone skims your, your debit card that you use at a kiosk, they're taking money directly out of your account, and that could take months, if not years sometimes, to get re returned to you. So if you have to use a kiosk, you're in a rush, you don't want to go inside, use your credit card um, as opposed to, to a debit card. Data breaches are huge, and, and they've been in the news, as I discussed with Equifax. There's, it seems like every week there's another data breach that happened. They just had one that occurred with some uh, uh, big retailers. Uh, there was one with Target very recently. There was one, speaking of veterans, with the Office of Personnel Management, where a lot of uh, veterans' uh, security clearance information was taken. So data breaches happen. There's not a lot you can do about a data breach. If you, have a, if you made a purchase at Target, there's, you, you can't stop the, that data from being taken from Target. All you can do is, as I've said, monitor things and be alert and be aware. Watch the news for, for these stories to come down. You know, if you see a news story about Target and you went shopping there in that time period, you, you got to take action um, because sometimes you won't get a notice in the mail, uh, and, and so you want to be proactive. Phishing. Uh, sounds really fun and nice, but it's not at all, actually. It's, it's really terrible. Uh, identity thieves send emails to you that look legitimate, and they include a link. They include a link in that email, and you click on it, and you've now given that person access to your data on your computer. Uh, a lot of it's called spear phishing, I think is another name for it. It happened to Hillary Clinton's campaign, if you recall, back in 2016. Um, her campaign manager's information was taken through a phishing, uh, spear phishing scam. Uh, and so what I tell clients is don't click on links and emails. That You shouldn't have to click a link in an email. If you need to find out what they are saying, go to the original website uh, of the party who's trying to, to uh, reach you. So if Wells Fargo sends you a notice, go directly to wellsfargo.com or call them rather than clicking a link because they can make these emails now look so official that you can't tell the difference between what's a real email and what's a phishing scam. So those are the high-tech versions. Low tech, stealing mail, wallets, purses, dumpster diving. Uh, this, I see this a lot. Fam theft by a family member, roommate, or friend. Sad but true. If someone who lives in your house, a roommate, you know, they got access to your information, they, they can break into your room or, or, or take a, a, a personal information from you when you're at work, that happens a lot. But this is more of the low tech version. It's been around for a long time. But the best way to deal with this is to shred documents to not give out your personal information to people unless necessary. Um, th those are the, 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 the quickest ways to deal with that. So I'm running a little short on time, I think, so I want to just speed through. Oh, I'm good? Oh, okay. Oh, okay, sure. And, and, and again, if any, stop me if you guys have any questions. So 
what do you do if your identity has been stolen? First step I've already talked about with the fraud alert. You also want to order your credit reports, which we've went through. You want to go through those reports in a detailed fashion. You want to go through every single piece of information and list any fraudulent information in writing. Here's a step that people miss every time. You also have to get an identity theft report with the FTC. It's a step that's written into the law, and it's, it puts the obligation onto the consumer, but you need to go to the FTC. You can either go to identitytheft.gov, which I, I need to add that because they just added that website. You can go to identitytheft.gov and submit it online, or you can do a written report through the, to the FTC. Also, you want to get a police report. That's the only way the police are going to know about what happened. They'll, they can open an investigation, and it proves to the creditors that you're dealing with, that you're serious about the issue, that you've gone to the authorities and you've reported the, the matter. And so you're not trying to just get out of a debt by saying it's not yours. You're, this is a legitimate issue. So these two issues are, or these two uh, items are very important. Finally, you want to dispute that item with the credit bureaus. You send in that police report, an FTC report, to the credit bureaus. They need to investigate that and remove all the fraudulent information within 30 days. Um, it's a quick turnaround, but it's, uh, this is the only way you can get that information off of your report is by submitting it to the credit bureaus, outlining each fraudulent account, and attaching it and sending it off to the credit bureaus. They have 30 days to investigate it with the creditors. So I wanted to go over quickly litigation under the Fair Credit Reporting Act. This is what I do all day long. If someone submits a dispute to the credit bureaus and they don't fix that information in 30 days, you have a lawsuit against them under the Fair Credit Reporting Act. The good news about that is they have to pay your attorney's fees and costs. Clients don't pay my attorney's fees and costs. They are required, the credit bureaus and the banks, to pay your attorney's fees as part of your damages. Um, the litigation is against both the credit bureaus and against the banks. So they both have an obligation to report accurately what's going on. Meaning, let's say you have a fraudulent account from Bank of America on all three credit bureaus, Equifax, Experian, TransUnion. It is the obligation of all four of those entities to investigate and update your credit every month. And if they don't do it properly, they're liable to you under this law, uh, not just the credit bureaus, because the process is, is, uh, it goes through both entities. So what damages are available? As I've discussed, you can get your attorney's fees and costs as part of your damages. Also statutory damages. Uh, that's between $100 and $1,000 per defendant. doesn't sound like a whole lot, and it isn't. The statute was written back in the 1970s. They have not updated it uh, to today. So, you know, in the 1970s, getting a damage of $1,000 per defendant with inflation was, was, was a decent amount, but nowadays it needs to be updated because, you know, that, that's just simply not in keeping with 2018 inflation. Um, you can also get your actual damages. So I wanted to go through real quick what actual damages are. Loss of credit worthiness, if your score drops. I've had clients who had 150, 200 point credit score drops. That will prevent you from getting any loan under the sun. Um, increase in interest rates on loans, decrease in your credit limits. Um, loan denials. Emotional distress and anguish is an interesting one. I've actually had a case where a client legitimately, and, and I'll tell you why, experienced emotional distress. She would get a letter every month from a creditor who she applied to telling her she was deceased. And the reason she would get that letter is because someone with her same name and date of birth and last four of her social had died. And they had reported her as being the deceased party. 
And so this poor woman could not apply and get accepted for any loans. She got letters in the mail all day long telling her, we're sorry, we can't help you. You're deceased. If she talked to any of these creditors, they would tell her she's dead. And you can imagine, I mean, it sounds funny. And it, it, I mean, it, it's horrible at the same time, though, because this poor lady, you know, uh, could not do anything with her credit because she was denoted in the, with the credit bureaus as being, uh, as being dead. Uh, and that shows you how much power the credit bureaus have over your everyday lives. They can literally cause you to be, quote, unquote, dead as far as your finances are concerned. So that's a very serious issue uh, uh, that, that happens more often than you can imagine. So I wanted to go over quickly some common credit reporting errors that you can, as you pull your credit report, look for and spot. Um, obviously, identity theft accounts is number one. Same debt reporting twice. This happens very often. And what happens is, let's say you have an account that goes to collections. They cannot report that balance twice. And that happens to a lot of my clients where they had a $1,000 card, it went into collections, now they have $2,000 in delinquency showing up on their credit. That's a common error I see every single day. You can dispute that and, and get it fixed within 30 days. Um, bankruptcies showing up after 10 years or negative information showing up after seven years. Under the law, seven years from your first missed payment or delinquency, that account has to fall off your credit. So if an account is showing up past seven years, that's illegal. Um, debt reporting, uh, uh, derogatory marks reporting, uh, that sh means missed payments showing up on your account when you didn't miss a payment. That happens often too, um, where you, sh you look at an account, you've been paying every month, you have an auto pay, and it shows a 30, a 60, a 90, or 120 day late. So that's why it's important to go through these accounts very carefully. Um, and I wanted to talk about how to protect your identity. This is more of the preventative uh, stuff that I tell clients ahead of time so that they aren't victims again in the future or so they can tell their friends and family. Um, lock up financial documents. Don't carry your social security card with you if you don't have to, and most of the time you don't. Um, for veterans, they have their social on their, their uh, veterans ID cards. Don't carry that around with you. Um, have new checks mailed to your bank as opposed to mailed to your house. Um, shred sensitive documents. This is another, another one I tell a lot of people, it's very important, opt-out pre-screen. What that is, is you know you get those annoying credit card uh, applications in the mail. You can actually opt out of those uh, by going to optoutprescreen.com so that you don't ever receive those. Because the problem with those is if someone gets a hold of your mail, they have a way to apply for loans and credit cards without your knowledge, and they have it already pre-approved and, and in the mail. So you want to opt out of those unless you really like getting the junk mail in, in the mail every day. Uh, I don't, personally. So um, this is another one. Be careful about revealing personal information and data, especially over the phone or, or online. And you, know, you really want to know who you're talking to. The IRS is not going to call you. We were just talking about uh, at the table about IRS scam where they call you and pretend to be the IRS agent. The IRS will never call you on the phone. They, they, know, how to, they know your address. They'll send you a nice, happy letter in, in the mail. They will not call you. Um, and if you get a phone call from the IRS, it's going to be a, a scam. Um, but they've gotten very um, uh, sophisticated about these sort of scams. So the less, you, the less information you can give on the phone or online, the better. If you're going to give personal information, you should do it in person. And then I wanted to finish up before questions with some tips to improve your credit score. Uh, these are just basic things that I've learned in being in this industry and knowing what affects a credit score that you can do 
most of you, are, given the, the hands that were raised, are probably already doing these things, but it's good to know. Set up auto pay on your bills. Auto pay will allow you, as you know, to not have to worry about missing payments, not have to worry about um, uh, forgetting to pay a bill. Uh, monitoring your credit report, we've talked about. Making small purchases each month. A lot of people have credit cards and they just let them sit at a zero balance. They don't use them at all. The problem with that is the bureaus look at your credit management in determining your credit score. So if you're not using your credit card at all, your scores are going to stay stagnant. So you want to make small purchases. And when I mean to say small, I mean like gas or grocery, something like that, so that there's some charge going on your credit and then you pay it down each month. And that will actually help to improve your credit. But you want to use your, you want to have your credit utilization at below 30%. So what that means is let's say you have a $1,000 credit card. Uh, you never want to go over $300 on that card at any point during the month. Um, once you break over that 30% uh, number, your score is going to start to drop. Um, it doesn't matter if you pay it down uh, uh, later. You want to stay below that 30%. And that's across the board on all credit cards. Um, avoid collections if you can. Obviously, that will have a lot of damage to your credit. The, something that people don't know, though, if you do happen to get in collections, some reason, you know, it happens to everyone. Uh, Nevada is the worst in the country as far as uh, collections and identity theft, by the way. But if you do happen to get into collections, you can negotiate settlement in which they will remove it off your credit. A lot of people don't know that they have the ability to do that. You can say, hey, I'll pay you guys right now. Uh, if you take it off my credit. And they, and they will agree to do it because they want to get the payment. So that's a little tip. Uh, if you ever happen to get into collections, you can get it off your credit if you negotiate with them. So I know I kind of breezed through all that, but I wanted to see if anyone had any questions about what I was talking Yes. So two the people that go after your identity, is there, can you, they're just from all walks of life? All walks of life. I mean, they're, they're foreign nationals, you know, domestic as well. Uh, they've had they've found links between a lot of the drug trade and identity thieves, which makes sense. Um, but it, there, there's no one specific group that is, you know, doing this. But with the hacking and things like that, we've seen a lot of foreign nationals have been involved with that, uh, especially the spear phishing scams and things like that. But um, but it, it's across the board, and, and the victims as well, across the board. Victims range from, you know, from uh, people who have millions of dollars to people who are on welfare to people, children is another big one uh, that I, I've been seeing a lot where they take a child's Social Security number, and that, it's a clear credit report. It has nothing on there. And so it, it affects many people over many walks of life. The other question I have is can you, how, how comfort comfortable should I be having like LifeLock is or is it LifeLock is a great policy I mean it's it, you know if you can afford I mean some it, some people it's a little bit expensive but it will do the job and they do cover you if there are any damages and and uh, certainly it's a good monitoring uh, and and it will provide insurance if you have anything stolen from you so anything people can do to protect themselves and I would say LifeLock or, or Legal Shield are great products uh, to use to, to avoid that yeah absolutely um, oh. I would say it might be overkill to have both um, because you're going to have monitoring. 
the question was uh, having uh, identity theft protection through a credit card uh, company and also through LifeLock. Is that overkill? And I would say probably. Uh, you want one form would be enough. And 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 uh, I, you know I've I've worked with clients who have gotten life excuse me, LifeLock before, and they've had good results. I don't endorse it, and, and they don't pay me. I mean, I wish I did, but they don't pay me. Uh, uh, but but, I, but they, they do a good job. But, you, you know, if, if, if you want to use a product through your credit card, that, that would work as well. But people who are thinking about that ahead of time are doing the right thing. So you're, you're doing the right thing by having those. Two questions. Yes. I have uh, Ar American Express that has no limits. Yes. Uh, is that a good thing to have? I've yep. had the American Express call me and say, is this your charge? And I've corrected it based on what the call is. But they don't have a limit on my credit. Okay. So and I'll you said anything above 1000 where you should be careful. I, I think what you're saying, so you, you don't have a limit on the Amex card. I can, I can charge anything. Right. Well, in that case, you know, a lot of cards have limits, but if your card, if you happen to have a card that doesn't have a limit, um, then you still want to abide by the rule of having small purchases each month so that so that, that account is still revolving and moving and so it okay. shows you're managing your credit. That's, that's going to be very important. Um, and then, the, but it applies across the board. So if you have multiple cards, those cards would still apply to the 30% the rule. I have had two. Sure. Um, so, but I would still use, use it sparingly, small purchases each month. And, and uh, for the car that does have a limit, I would keep it below that 30% threshold. I use it mostly for my donations. I'm sorry? I use it mostly for my donations. Oh, okay, sure. Yeah. So uh, the other question is, I've, I've got a company I used to do business with about 10 years ago. I have gotten calls from this company. Please use our thing. We have your money. They don't have my money. Right. Or they say... You owe us money. Sure. I am at the point of saying, I'm sorry, you've reached somebody who died. That's right. not probably not good either. Right. <laughs> but uh, how do you get those people from calling? Well, that, you know, that, that's been a big issue that's happening right now is, is scam callers, uh, robo calls, things like that. You can put yourself on a do not call registry, and, and that helps a little bit. Um, you can, if it's on a cell phone, you can block. There's certain apps that allow you to block certain numbers. The problem is they create new numbers every five minutes. Um, you can report them to the FTC, which I tell a lot of clients to do, to report illegal debt collection scams and things like that to the FTC and the CFPB. Those are two great, well, two organizations that help, with, uh, uh, federal agencies that help uh, with consumer issues. So the, the Federal Trade Commission and the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau. You can turn them into that, send them the number and then the information from that call. Short of that, there's not much that can be done. It, it, it happens so often now. But, but doing those things, opting out uh, of the pre-screened offers, do not call registry, sending them to the CFPB and FTC, submitting a complaint, that's, and then blocking them using a, an app on your phone, which you can do as well if you have a cell phone that, where the calls are coming. Uh, yes? With the yes or no scam, when they record your voice saying yes or no, how do they gain your social security number? I'm sorry, so the, which app were you talking about? I apologize, I didn't hear you. Uh, there's a scam where they record oh. you saying yes or no. How do they gain your social security number from that? You know, I haven't heard of that specific scam before, but there's a lot of ways that, that uh, identity thieves can get your social security number. 
um, and, it, and it doesn't have to be over the phone. They can get it all electronically. If you're connecting to Wi-Fi publicly, if you um, have documents that you submit in the mail and that are intercepted, uh, if you give your personal information over the phone uh, or through email, there's a lot of ways your social can be taken. I'm not sure about that specific scam, though, but there's so many out there, I can't keep up with them, unfortunately. But that sounds like a terrible one. And, and yes, uh, I, think, I think I was supposed to, that was the last question, but I'll be here after to answer any other questions if anyone has any. And I really, again, appreciate all your time. And uh, uh, thank you so much again for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Uh, very timely topic. Um, and as we do with all of our speakers, we'd like to present to you a Share What You Can Award. And so in your name, uh, we are going to give a meal to a, a needy veteran in the Las Vegas Valley. So thank you very much for coming. Thank you. As we leave here today, let us go forward into the world in peace. Be of good courage. Hold fast to that which is good. Render to no one evil for evil. Strengthen the faint-hearted. Support the weak. Help the afflicted. Honor all persons. Love and serve each other. Rejoicing in the fellowship of Rotary. Be people of action. Be the inspiration. We hope you enjoyed this podcast of our latest meeting. If you'd like to know more about our projects or are interested in membership in the club, please visit us at lasvegasrotary.com. Now go forth and be the inspiration.